advisory to those who are not animal lovers, open to new ideas, or interested in integrative holistic healthcare for your pets, and believe that prescription diet is the best food for your pet. This podcast may offend your sensibilities. Have you ever felt frustrated and helpless after listening and doing everything your vet told you to do, but it only made your sick pet worse and not get any better? That's me in 2008 with my first adopted cat, Meow. I did everything the vet told me to do and I realised she wasn't getting any better and only worse. So I decided to look into alternative health options and was drawn to the stories of holistic pet service entrepreneurs and their transformative journey, overcoming obstacles, chasing their passion and creating a movement that has caused a ripple effect of positive change in the lives of their clients and pets around the world. Join me as I share the raw, inspiring journeys of these amazing entrepreneurs, their successes and failures. My name is Amrys Wang, and this is The Raw Entrepreneur. Bonjour, this is Amrys Wang of The Raw Entrepreneur. Today's episode is with the one and only Evan Doggett, who was born and bred to be with dogs. This is his story. Who is Evan Doggett, please? Yeah, Evan Doggett is still a kid that likes to do fun things and he just likes to do them with dogs but in the capacity of helping other kids adults whatever you want to call yourself have a better life with your dog because when you think of dog training a lot of people get really caught up on the word dog training to the point where some people it like grosses them out like they really they don't they don't even want to hear the word um, because they associate with this robotic um relationship that sit stay come heal you know and and while i do fundamentally believe that those things are important it's important to in a way of having a relationship right it'd be like being in which i have been in relationships with people where you don't speak the same language <laughs> it's very very challenging like when you only have like it, it, no, when you have no words, it's it's almost impossible. But when you have some levels of communication, and it's really about making that relationship a whole and having fun together. Why does training have to be um, this boring thing when when it can be something fun and engaging for both parties? And then also, what does training mean? Is it just about obedience, or is it more? And for me the goal with Doggett style is to redefine what training is, that it, it, it's about helping pet owners that are stressed and overwhelmed with their dogs, understand them better so that they can have more fun together and enjoy their lives together. So were you always a dog person all your life or, you know? So I didn't really, you know, I, I was going to say, I, did, I, I never really had a choice in the matter. Last name's Doggett. I grew up on St. Bernard Street and my grandpa, my great grandfather's name is Clifford. So it was, <laughs> so like, I didn't have a choice. Yeah, of course I love dogs. And so, yeah, I mean, I grew up with um, miniature poodles cause I was deathly allergic to dogs my whole life, dogs, cats, all that stuff. Uh, so we had hypoallergenic poodles and my, my first, I was the kid that was 
running around the neighborhood barking at cats. Like <laughs> I was, I was that level of a dog person. My very first official job was walking two Australian shepherds at the age of 11, um, wow. which I don't, I don't know who thought that was a good idea, but we had a lot of fun. We just played frisbee <laughs> at the, at, at the park every day. And I've been a, a serial entrepreneur but it's all led up to, have you ever, and I, and I don't know your full story, but I know there's probably a lot of people out there listening that like, there's been things in your life that you've done that you're like, ah, this is just to pay the bills. But then it really later served you. Like, I don't believe that any experience is a bad experience. Yeah, some horrific stuff can happen, um, but it serves you if you let it serve you. If you don't let it, you know, be the debilitating factor that, that you let yourself give up on, um, I think it, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I truly believe that. So doing things like, um, at one point I, I did, um, a type of construction that was like, like building ponds, like elaborate ponds with waterfalls in the back of very rich people's backyards. And so my ability to shovel poop from the top is directly related to that job. If you can shovel gravel off a of concrete, you can shovel poop in the corner of a room with no mess. Boom. Perfect example. It served me. It was hard. It was physical labor, all that stuff. But when you got to go all day with dogs that, and, that, and that's just one aspect of a million jobs that I've done, you know, between serving and, um, you know, having uh, a paper route and working fast food and all the different industries and, selling snowboards and teaching this and teaching English as a second language and, you know, in different countries and uh, just a million different jobs have all kind of led me into being the entrepreneur that I am now with dog training, which is also taking a massive pivot with this, uh, with this pandemic. So it's, um, yeah, it's been quite the roller coaster so far. It's, it's, it's a fun, ro fun roller coaster. So so um, when did you decide to go into the dog training business? So when I was like seven or eight, my father was an RCMP officer, which is like the FBI of Canada, for lack of a better term. If you think of that stereotypical Canadian police officer in the red jacket on the back of a horse, that was my dad minus the horse. I don't think he's ever <laughs> ridden a horse in his life. It's more for show at this point in, in, in the uh, our nation's history. But Anyway, um, my dad was a Mountie. And so when I got to see that first canine unit, I was like, okay, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And, and then just as I grew older and, you know, drinking beers and smoking weed at 16, I was like, yeah, maybe I won't be a cop. Maybe this isn't the best <laughs> route for me. Let's, let's go down this. So I just traveled after high school and thought I would follow my mom's footsteps and be a teacher. And uh, in my fourth year of university, I had, well, in my second semester of university, which I was going to, to become a teacher, I had taught English as a second language abroad. And, and my time abroad between Europe and Africa and, and South America, I, there was always dogs in my life. Like there's always been a dog or multiple dogs in my life, but it never clicked. Like it was never that, like I gave up on that dream when I was like 15 or 16 and started to rebel against the whole, you know, being a police officer and following down that route. And so, but it came back to me in my third year of university when I adopted um, a dog that you, you'll see in all my videos, Rush, which we, you know, I've had for quite a few years now. And he forced me to learn. He forced me to have a new relationship 
with a dog because I was putting a lot of my own emotional um, immaturity and my um, outsourcing. It's kind of like when you're in a relationship with someone and, and you expect them to do all the work for you. Like it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't last very long. Right. And so it, it was the same thing with the dog. I expected him to make me a better person, but he, and he, and he did, but, but, uh, but it took a lot of work. And what I mean by that was I was still, you know, drinking and partying a lot in university. And I, I got this dog as a kickstart to basically uh, what turned into like a 10 year rehab process. Now I was, you know, I wasn't strung out on the side of the street. Like I was doing well in, in a, you know, a, a good university in Canada, but the, the thing that I wanted from the dog was not only companionship, which everyone wants, um, and a, a huge reason to, to that, that a lot of people have pets in their life, but also to bump start my maturity. And it, it, it doesn't work that way. Um, it, it took a long time and I had to hit a lot of different milestones in my life before I said, okay, um, I'm going to commit everything to, to dog training, dog uh, mentorship and, and all of that. And it was really in my third year when I got rush about halfway through that, that last semester, I, I was just became so engrossed with nutrition and obedience and body language. And I was, uh, I started volunteering at a grooming salon and I was walking packs of dogs at the doggy daycare and then uh, at the local doggy daycare and someone came into the grooming salon and they said, oh my God, Cesar Milan has this course in California, uh, but it's like 10 grand. And uh, I, I borrowed, borrowed the money from my then um, girlfriend's mom and maxed out my credit cards and Rush and I got on a plane to California to work with Cesar Milan. And that, that experience was the catalyst to go, okay, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I'm not going to uh, teacher's college. I'm, I'm going to work with dogs. And, you know, for a lot of people, dog training, that would have been 2012. For a lot of people, there were like, you know, uh, full-time dog trainers, but not really. Like, you got to think this is a town of like 5,000 people. Um, it's, it's a very small community with other small communities around and, but I went to California and I said, you know, I don't necessarily want to do it Caesar's way. A lot of people get hung up when, they, when they hear the name Caesar Milan or equally they get hung up when they hear the name like Victoria Stilwell or anybody famous, you know, it's, I'm sure some people, when you say the name Bono, they're like, ah, I hate that guy. He's given too much money to, you know those kids in Africa, like there's always going to be someone out there that disagrees with you. And that's fine. I'm not here to change anybody's mind. What, what I want to do and what I've been continually doing over the past eight years is learning from everyone, you know, and, and it's not about adopting anybody's one way and sticking to that. It's about what what maybe there's something that someday I'll be able to help a dog with that one technique, even though it takes, you know, seven weeks to do, and it's very challenging and yada, 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 that maybe there's something that I can learn. So for me, dog training has been about learning intensely about grooming, learning intensely about food and learning intensely about the different styles of actually having a dog do something that you want them to do. So as you were evolving and finding your way as a dog trainer, um, what was it that, you know, that emerged this new Evan Doggett, who, you know, 
who 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 was he becoming what was who's he the, who's the new who's the new evan the yeah. old evan was and and i really learned this in university was like you got to think critically you can't just take what anybody says as gospel and we're learning this a lot in the pet food industry right like oh it's balanced and it's good for your dog and it's dog food why would you feed your dog anything other than dog food that doesn't make any sense it says right on the bag dog food it's for a dog <laughs> feed them the damn dog food and then we go okay well maybe that's not a good thing um because we're learning and it's the same thing with like seeing someone like caesar milan on tv it's very easy to judge someone at a distance the same thing with victoria stillwell that one dog that she you know it's this famous episode where this dog is like jumping and growling at, at someone i don't know i don't remember the full story but and she's like well the only thing left to do is put down the dog and it's like well there's <laughs> That seems like we jumped to that conclusion a little quick, but it's very easy to judge someone at a distance. It's very easy to go, I know everything about you because I read your bio or whatever. So that used to be me. That used to be me to go like, no, no, I know everything. And now I, I claim to know nothing, you know, like I will never um, know everything there is to know about dogs because we're learning more and every dog is different, right? Like, it's like, I will never fully understand my wife um, <laughs> not for a long shot, but you know, the more time we spend together, the more I learn about her. Right. But she's always going to be her and I'm always going to be me, but it's about developing this relationship and learning and growing. So the old Evan was very, my, the, the foundation, or I shouldn't say the foundation, but the first bit of training that I learned was a lot of compulsion training. So essentially there's three schools of thought with training purely positive. So um, using a lot of treats, using a lot of food and never using negative reinforcement, not saying some, some, as far as not even saying no to the dog, that that would cause them trauma, making them uncomfortable in any way. Uh, we don't do that. We just do training through shaping and luring behaviors, fantastic kind of training for getting a dog to start behaviors. It can be very challenging to get them to stop doing behaviors because you're only redirecting to a positive. It's all positive, right? Purely positive. Flipping the coin, you have compulsion, compulsion training. And that's kind of like the easiest way to, to describe that is the way the police operate. If you are speeding, there's a correction for that, right? There's something negative happens to you and you don't, um, you know, there, there's something negative that happens as a result of an unwanted behavior. And if you're not speeding, nothing happens to you. You, you, you I mean, with the police, you don't even get, a, you know, a, a good boy or a good girl. You just, you just get, you're left to continue doing your own thing. So while you, you're very aware of what you're not allowed to do, provided that you've been educated on what you're not allowed to do. But if you were just driving around, you just got corrected. It would take, it would be hard to kind of figure it all out. Right. Because it's just like, you know, there would have to be a lot of deduction and, and, and that can be challenging, especially depending how big the correction is. If you see the police and you immediately start stressing out, which a lot of us do, um, it's, you know, it, it can be very challenging. So it's, again, limited, very limited because it's only one side of the coin. And then the third type of training is a balanced approach using both positive and negative reinforcement. And hopefully, you know, trainers that do subscribe to a balanced approach are putting the emphasis on positive. So a lot of people will say, and this is something that I su subscribe to, which is, you know, um, positive first. So what that means is like, you're going to teach the dog all the things that you want them to do before you ever add pressure. So what I mean by this is like, if you can't 
uh, if I can't, you know, if I take you, for example, if I can't, if I said toca la pared and you don't speak Spanish, you don't know what that means. It's going to be very challenging for you if I start squeezing your arm and going toca la pared right? That's not going to be very helpful. It's going to be, you're going to start stressing out, right? And now, uh, you know, you, you were running around the room trying to figure out how to turn off the pressure. You might figure it out. But if I take $20 and I put it right in front of your nose and I go, this is yours, just follow the money, right? And you start following that money and I lure you over into the behavior that I want you to do. And I do that several, several times, then you have it. But then the problem is, is then you know, somebody shows up at the door and I'm trying to get your attention and you go, no, 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 I'm not paying attention. I don't want the 20 bucks because whatever's at the door is better than your $20. Then when I apply a little bit of pressure, if I take you by the hand and that can literally be pressure, right? It's not, I don't need to twist your, twist your arm off, but if I take you by the hand and apply some pressure, you go, okay, well, I already know how to turn this off, but you would again want to do that before there was that level of distraction. So having both the positive and the negative, because my number one thing with dog training is our, our it, well, not even dog training, just our number one responsibility, in my opinion, with our pets is to keep them safe. And that might be safe internally, like what we're putting in their body. And that might be safe externally, like their environment, right? If you just don't put a leash on your dog because you don't believe in leashes or crates or, or things like that. Like there can be serious problems with that. If you just leave your puppy home unattended, you might come home to an unfortunate scene. So my number one thing is how can I keep my dog safe? And there's going to be times where I'm going to put stress on them. Everything's stressful. You step outside, it's stressful, right? And it's about preparing them how to handle stress so that way they, they can turn it off and they can have more freedom in life and enjoy life that much more in a safe capacity. So to come back full circle to the question, the old Evan was very, um, I started my training, learning a lot about compulsion training in the hunting dog world is uh, a lot of it is, you know, very outdated and it's very, you know, force driven. And I very quickly, because that's, th those were the people around me right, was force the dog to do the thing. And when you're young, when you know, and you're, you're just coming out of university, and, and people are saying, this is the way to do things, that that's what you assume is the way to do things, right. And for me, it's always been this pursuit of how can I help people and help my, you know, myself and these dogs live a good life with the least amount of pressure. I totally believe in using pressure and negative reinforcement. I'm 100% because that's life, right? That's how we learn is the plant grows out of the shade, right? It avoids that negativity to get into the light, but you need that negative to enjoy the positive and reap the rewards of the positive. Yin and yang, everything is, you know, day and night, add it, subtract it. For me, it's all about having this balance with the hope that life will be more positive than negative. I mean, we're all, we're all doing this, right? But sometimes adding that stress, like I don't wanna do 200 push-ups every day, but I do them because I don't wanna just cripple over, and <laughs> cripple over a die, I wanna be strong, you know? So I stress my body so that I can be strong. I stress my mind by learning, by reading, by um, doing things like I'm never gonna go in, into outer space. But for me, you know, just even listening to a podcast on quantum fit, fit, physics, makes my brain 
I don't really know what's going on in there, but like there's something that clicks, you know, in, in a weird way. When someone starts talking about quantum physics or um, astrology or math or something that isn't in my everyday life, like it stresses my brain a little bit and it, and it I believe, makes me stronger. So the old Evan was very uh, just do, take what people say as scripture and the new Evan is observe and adjust right let's see how this works and be open to everyone like you know it, it i think a lot of people get stuck in their life going like well i already know this and this works for me therefore this has to be the right way and yours is the wrong way for me i go okay just show me that you know like what what can i learn from you right positive negative about food about grooming about training about you know if i can sit on my couch better with my dog okay show me what am i doing wrong or not necessarily wrong, just different, right? So for me, it's been this pursuit of uh, learning everything and then making it simple to understand and apl applicable because there's a lot of amazing dog trainers out there that when they go to explain something, <laughs> a lot of people just turn off, right? It, it's just, oh, did you, could you explain that to me in four minutes as opposed to four hours? Because I, I don't know that, you know, maybe I don't have time for a lecture or I'm not, um, interested in it enough. I just need to be able to get out there and enjoy life with my dog. So yeah, that's where I'm at now. So um, with dog at style, uh, could you, could you walk through, you know, with everyone, like how, how, how would your, your consultation begin your style? So it's, for me, it's, it's always health first. So I just released an online program and it's seven different levels, seven different areas of a dog's life. But for me, like, you know, even in, in the commercial, it says like health is number one, but that was very intentional. It wasn't just like, this is the first thing that came up. Um, you know, when we're going through the slide show, it has to start with health because if you are physically if you're not feeling well and things aren't, you know, things aren't good. If you, even if you just ate too much, let's just say you had too much spaghetti, right? <laughs> you're not going to function properly. Like if I didn't, like, for example, um, I ate very consciously before doing this podcast, because if I had like half a pizza, I would be, I, I would just, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. You know, <laughs> I wouldn't be ready for this. So for me, it's health first. What are we putting into our dogs? Because a lot of times, while it's not by itself, and that's the whole thing is nothing by itself is going to get you what you want. If I just do push-ups, I'm going to look like a freak. You know, I need to do sit-ups and I need to do squats and I need to work all the muscles. It's the same thing as, and your brain is a muscle, right? Self-composure and, and restraint is a muscle right? Just because someone drives a nice car, you know, a nicer car than I do. I want their car. doesn't mean I just go and pull them out of the car and get out. Like you need to have restraint. You need to be able to control yourself. And it's the same thing for our dog. So I always start with health. We're always going to talk about health. What are you feeding? What are you not feeding? Let's talk about, you know, gut health. Has there been trauma? I refer a lot to other people. I don't claim to be a health expert, but one of the very first things I did once I was kind of uh, done with the gun dog world, um, because I, I, I 
you know, I learned what I could and I said, okay, this isn't what I want to do for the rest of my life in terms of, I, I want to learn more about the different ways. So I went and worked with uh, the Volhards, Wendy and Jack Volhard, and uh, started to learn about homeopathy and nutrition. And it just, man, that was a big game changer for me, that, that course in Virginia, uh, because it opened me up to the idea that I don't really know a lot about what's going on in a dog's brain or their body and how much it does in fact affect their behavior because they're so stoic, you know, and cats are worse. Cats are even more stoic. They will, you know, you could like a cat could lose a tail and unless you look behind them, you wouldn't know. Cause they just go, Oh, I don't know. Everything's fine. Don't pay any attention to me. <laughs> you know. And dogs are very similar. You know, I've literally seen a dog outside limping and you come outside, no limp, not even a bit you know, they're just, they fight it because they go, I don't want you to put me back inside while everyone else goes for a walk. No, no, I'll be fine. Totally fine. Let's keep going. And so we need to, we need to start observing how do our dogs walk? How is their stomach doing? And what kind of fuel are we putting in their bodies? Right? Because if you just eat cocoa puffs every day, you are not going to be working optimally. You'll survive, but you won't thrive. And that's really what it comes down to. So we talk about health, uh, and then we talk about a bunch of other things like leadership. What does that mean? I don't really call it leadership as much, but it's more like a you section. Let's talk about you and how you are doing. And we're beefing that up. My wife is, is an amazing life coach. And so she is really developing something to work into the dog style stuff because, you know, without us, there's no relationship. And if we're not working on ourselves, the dog pays for it. A lot of times what we, what I see is, we put our stress and our burden on our dogs and they're not equipped to handle it. Like if you come home and you are just stressed all day and you are an emotional wreck and you're not working on that stuff, it's not your dog's responsibility to comfort you all day, every day. Yes. It's part of a relationship, right? Uh, it's just like when I'm a wreck, my wife, even though she doesn't want to hear it, she'll listen. And then she'll go, okay, we, we have this rule. You get, you, <laughs> you have upwards of, 120 seconds to vent and then it's over. There's no, there's, we're not venting about your day for the whole evening. I don't want to hear it because it's not helpful. It's good to get it out. It's constructive to get it out. You can't just bottle it up. That's not good. But it's also, we need to work on ourselves. And that's something that Dog and Style we're really pivoting into is really helping people um, help themselves, right? That it's, you need to be physically, mentally, emotionally strong for your dog. A lot of people won't do it for themselves, right? But, you know, I used to drink and smoke and, and smoke pot and do all these things. I couldn't keep up to the dogs. It was, it was brutal. And while that wasn't the only reason, um, keeping up to the dogs was a big part of it. Cause this is, this is my, this is my livelihood. This is how I put food on the table for my kids, keeping, you know, let alone keeping up to my kids. But there, and, and that's the whole point is like, it doesn't matter why you do positive things for yourself, even though that they're hard, whether it's for the dogs, for you, for your spouse, there's no one reason. A lot of times, like my, my, my mom used to always used to say, oh, well, you'll, you'll quit this when you have kids. I didn't quit it for the kids. I didn't quit, you know, and that's, some people will say that's wrong. Well, that's my experience. Right. And so it's been very important as part of Dogged Style to incorporate a, a big element of help yourself, learn how to help yourself. And, and if it's for the dog, great, do it for the dog. If it's for your partner or for that future partner, maybe you're single, you got to become the person to attract the kind of person that you want. I truly believe that. So we've been incorporated an element of that in there. 
playing with your dog, obedience, talking about dealing with unwanted behaviors is a big thing. A lot of people, when I do like a Q&A, nobody goes like, how do I play better with my dog? Even though that's one of the elements of dog and style. Everyone wants to know, how do I get them to stop doing things? Well, the first step of stop doing things is start doing things. I never, when, when people sign up for private lessons, you know, via Zoom is a lot of times, like I've got people all over the world that, are, that I'm helping. And it, it's, what's amazing is even if you're my next door neighbor, we're not meeting up in person. The way of in-person dog training for a lot of things for me is dead because as soon as you take the dog out of their element, they're, they're distracted. They're not learning as well as they would if they were in their own environment, right? As soon as you, you go out of your house, you're distracted and it's, it makes things a lot more challenging um, to learn. So learning in their own environment, they don't know I'm in the room and it's us that it, every individual person needs to become the dog trainer. Sure. I can, you know, have your dog doing things and listening to me and very bonded with me in a short period of time, but it's your dog right? I'm not coming over and living with you. Uh, you need to become the quote unquote dog trainer and have that understanding of them, you know, how they move their body language, understanding the social aspect of it. So just to, just to, you know, list them off again, health, playing with your dog, leadership or a, a you section, obedience, raising a dog, whether it's a puppy or a rescue dog, I raise them the same way because it's about starting things off in a constructive way, working with them um, very positively and setting up some constructive rules that are going to work best for you. So I'm not one of these people that says you have to do this and you have to do that. It's all about being aware of your choices, right? Same thing with the obedience section. I don't say you have to use a gentle leader or you have to use a slip lead or you have to use a prong collar or that you shouldn't use any one of these things. The only thing that I'm like really hard up on is, is um, nobody should just go out and buy an electric training collar and just try to figure it out. I'm really adamant about that. Um, but with raising a rescue dog and raising a puppy or raising a rescue puppy, that whole section's in there, unwanted behaviors and body language. So it's about looking at a holistic approach to um, dog, uh, dog human relationship. Yeah, that was what I was thinking, listening to you, the way you described your approach to dog training is that you're coming from a very holistic approach. Uh, you know, it's very all-rounded. You're talking about health, uh, which actually not a lot of um, conventionally trained dog trainers would actually do that normally. Um, as far as I know, the ones locally in Singapore anyway, they don't normally ask about, you know, what are you eating or anything like that. They just look at, you know, the situation. And then, like you said, it's either compulsion or positive, you know? Uh, so I what like is the your dog approach. culture like there. What is the dog culture like in Singapore right now? Um, well, Singapore is a very small Island. We're about 5.7 million in population plus minus, yeah. um, dogs, animals in general are still not very high on the, you know, life scale. Yeah. Um, we still do have a lot of people who purchase dogs, but we have a, a rescue community. So oh, nice. most people, majority of people in Singapore live in high rise flats or apartments. Right. I think you call them right. apartments over there. Over here, we call them flats. And yeah. um, most of us will stay in government built flats. So there are actually laws where you can only own maybe one dog 
depending on the size. Right. If you have a right. toy dog, you can have maybe two. If right. you have a mongrel, which is maybe about 20 kilograms, I can't remember. I think it's about 40 plus pounds. If, if you work yep. in pounds, I don't know. Yep. I'm, I'm a kilogram kind of person. So, yeah, yeah. so um, they have height weight restrictions living in a oh, flat. Interesting. It's very old school. Uh, coming from an Asian society where they view animals more as, you know, either food, you know, yep. you either eat them, you wear them, or they're strictly guard dogs for like factories or property, you know. Right, right, um, right. I think the last 10 years, especially, um, there's been a shift in more people wanting to adopt and help our local uh, stray population. So we've you know, there is a rescue community where we do TNR, Trap, Neuter, Return. So we have, you know, like the dog community will go out to um, the industrial areas and they'll, you know, try to manage the population by sterilizing them, by having a regular feeder, you know, take care of them, volunteers, and they'll be tagged. Same thing with the stray cat population. For myself, I'm more of a... Um, community cat caregiver in Singapore. I do TNR cool. mainly for cats here, but that's more because I live in a more urban environment. I don't drive. Um, right. But I do foster uh, dogs and cats. And, oh, wow. and so I volunteer with, you know, uh, my dog friends and my cat friends. So I have, well, currently I've got 12 cats and one dog. At one stage I had like, I don't know how many cats and two dogs, you know. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, and I live in I live in about my my home is just under eight hundred square feet, so it's like just under eight hundred, seven hundred plus. You know, it's not a huge, uh, it's not a big home, um, but we manage because I captify my house, so the cats have you know vertical space levels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, so so what did you call it? You catified? You catified your house? Yes, I catified my house. It's a term <laughs> coined by um, Jackson Galaxy and Kate Benjamin. Um, okay. Uh, have you heard of Jack, uh, Jackson Galaxy? He's like, no. he's, he's like, you know, Caesar Milan to the dog wall. He, Jackson Galaxy is the cat man. He's like the cat whisperer to, to the cat wall, you know? Uh, so he talks about behavior. Oh, yeah. 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 No, I've, I've seen him. How can yeah. you forget that? Wall? Yeah. My, my, yeah. my cat from hell, he had that, that uh, TV show on right. Animal Planet. And basically he has a very holistic approach as well to um, cat behavior problems, similar to what is your approach, which is basically what are you feeding the cat? You know, yeah. uh, he looks at your home environment and he sees like, you know, uh, are you, are you enabling the cat's behavior or not? You know, are you encouraging it to grow and be the raw, the raw cat that it is, you know, in, in your home environment or are you suppressing it and, you know, all the negative cat behavior or even dog behavior is always it always comes from the humans because you know we as humans we don't know we don't we don't understand animal behavior so we're trying right. to to you know impose what we think should be you know how we how we communicate to them they should understand us and not the other way around you know that's uh, right. so that's where a lot of problems come with rescue communities so with the rescue work um, a lot of Dog trainers. I mean, I've, I've had a few. Uh, I've, you know, I've met a few, but I would say not, not, nothing like you. 
nothing like you. <laughs> Seriously, nothing like you. You're, you're like, you know, uh, the rare few that, you know, uh, really comes from a very holistic way of thinking. Um, not just... I think it's about being, being open. Yeah. I think it's about being open, right? So yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of being open to the universe. Actually, um, Rodney Habib, who you know, is uh, he's in my he's in my hometown uh, or my home province, I should say. And last time that I met up with him, he had asked me if I ever read The Alchemist and I, I hadn't. And I think I've gone through that book. I don't know. 12 That's times a good book. I have a. Yeah. A and, and, and it's about being open, right? Like there's yeah. so much to learn just by observing. And if people want to learn about their dogs, it, it, it's, you just got to observe, you know, your dog is speaking to you. The question is, are you listening? And it's really hard to listen when you have your cell phone on with Instagram open, you know, <laughs> like you gotta, you gotta immerse yourself. And that's one thing that I really did moving to the property that we did a few years ago. And We've had, you know, 25 plus dogs hiking through the woods in the middle of nowhere uh, or at the beach or whatever. And you put that many dogs in a, in a close space, um, you get one thing. You put that many dogs in a big open natural space or equally like a lot of urban dogs that have come to me with serious problems. You just take them for a hike and a lot of those problems dissipate. They don't necessarily go away because the thing, the, the answer isn't for everyone to uproot their lives and, and move to the country. Like it's still about making things work, but by getting back to nature and being open to the signs that are there, you just need to kind of open your eyes. I, I, I equally, you know, believe I, I, I talk a lot about personal development and things like that. And on my Facebook page, I've been doing this, you know, just five, 10 minute live every day where it's, we're going to do one little obedience thing or some sort of trick or, or something and a physical exercise element. But um, it's, yeah, it's, it, it's not ever going to be one thing. You can be, you know, a guru or a monk, you know, a, a, a Zen monk that just can levitate almost, but you can still have a very reactive, aggressive, whatever dog, like just working on yourself isn't going to be enough. Just working on health typically isn't going to be enough, but not the thing that I'm really embracing and stepping into now is moving away from perfection. I don't care about perfection. Like I will never be, I know I will never be perfect at anything, but more than that, I don't want to be amazing at one thing. I don't want that because that creates severe imbalance in the rest of your life. And I've done that. I've lived that in a lot of ways and it's affected my marriage. It's affected um, my, you know, my, my role as a father, as a, as a mentor, as a friend, as a son, as a dog parent, when you obsess over one thing. I think a lot of people in the pet realm will tend to obsess over one thing. And for me, for a lot of years, it was, I want to be the best dog trainer. I want to be able to get dogs to do, uh, you know, all these things and look super flashy and just listen to me, listen to me. But honestly, as I'm getting older, I'm realizing that that's it's not a, it's not natural and B there's so much missing. There's so much missing by just letting your dog be a dog. But when you only do that, you're not keeping them safe. A lot of times you're uh, it's creating a lot of anxiety, maybe not for you. Maybe you're just, you know, smoking so much grass that nothing bothers you, but for other people in your life and around in the community that can be very stressful. Right. 
just because your dog wants to bark at me and my dog, um, and that's quote unquote natural for a dog to bark, yes, okay. But how much are you stressing me out and my dog out or whatever, right? So there's there's a balance, right? It's not about suppressing everything, but um, it's it's more of a, a marriage. It's a relationship. It's it's understanding that there's your dog is so much more than just obedience or just what you feed them or whatever. So when you started your business, um, when did you start your business again? Dog it style. Uh, so dog it style. So I was with a franchise for quite a quite a few years. I was I went on my own, and it was Nature's Cure dog training. So I've always had this element of. Like, you know, it's still legally my registered name because it, it really matters to me that much that nature will cure your dog. Um, but it's not nearly as catchy as dog it style, right? I mean, come <laughs> on, right? Right, right. <laughs> and, so, and so it's just cheeky enough to push away the people that are crazy uptight and, you know, <laughs> that are going to take themselves too seriously. And that's really like, if you've seen any of my content or my podcast, I am not about taking myself too seriously because you know, you only get one life. So let's have fun with it. Let's talk about fun, food in a fun way. Let's talk about training in a fun way. Let's point out your flaws and your dog's flaws for what they are. Like, you know, your dog um, is b freaking out at the end of its leash. Okay. Like how can, like, don't sweat it. It's, it's not the end of the world. We'll, we'll get through it. You know? <laughs> As opposed to like, if you watch dog trainers where a lot of dog people on um, on social media, they're so serious. They're so serious all the time, but like, not me. Anyway, that's their choice. This is my choice. And so dog it style. Um, so I started nature's cure dog training. And then I was with a great franchise UPK nine for a lot of years. And it was an amazing opportunity to learn from my mentor and learn a, a bunch of different things. And then it was ready to, to do my own thing. Right. And really show the world that it's not just about obedience that, 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 um, other people are, are very focused on, you know, fixing how the dog looks as opposed to how the dog feels and, and having this whole human element involved. So dog and style is really, uh, really fresh. We launched, uh, in June of, of this past year, just, uh, pre pre pandemic <laughs> launch, um, of, of last year, I guess, would that be 20, what year 19. is it? God, I don't now it's 2020. Know. Well, coming yeah. to the end of so, 2020 no, now. <laughs> oh my God. Who even knows? Who even knows? Yeah. Um, yeah. Just a few months ago. Just wow. a few months ago. Okay. So very fresh, very new. Very fresh. So yeah. would no you say, it's great. So would you say Dogged Style is the result of um, you were pivoting from your previous business model uh, because yeah. of the, because of COVID-19? No. So, so, you know, I had, I had a plan to leave the franchise that I was with for a couple of years. Um, I just, when you are an entrepreneur, when you are a leader, when you are someone that wants to, um, it, it's hard, it's hard to play as a, as a team member when you are a leader, right? When you know that you are, you want to be in a leadership role, um, go for it, you know? go for it. I, you know, would say that to any entrepreneur, it's going to be, there are always going to be challenges when you strike out on your own. Um, and I would say, you know, I regret nothing. I mean, obviously I learned a ton from my, uh, previous mentorships. It wasn't just, wasn't just one about what you want to do and what you don't want to do. Like there's so much value in learning what you don't want to do, how you don't want 
to like, I'll never open a storefront because I've worked in a lot of them and I don't want to be tied down that way. Right. Um, I want to be able to jump on a zoom call and then go surfing. Right. Or, you know, hopefully someday do a zoom call while I'm out in the ocean and then finish my zoom call and <laughs> catch a wave someday, someday. Well, no, I probably keep those things separate, but anyway, um, the I've been teaching online for years, but during the pandemic, and we're in one of the safest places in the world, literally this province, this this Atlantic bubble that we're in got raided the safest place in the world um, during the height of the pandemic. And so I'm very fortunate and blessed, but also a bit naive to what's going on in the world. Like I do um, very selectively take in you know, international news media, but I, I really try to guard myself from that a little bit because it's very easy to get overwhelmed and think that the world is ending around you, you know, every minute of every day. And so I, I really try to guard my mind that way. But the pandemic um, and, and the shift of my business, the plan was always to move forward. There's always going to be a reason to not do something. But really, when you write down all those reasons, I don't have enough money, I don't have enough time, I don't have enough resources, I don't have enough support, I'm working too much. Those are all the reasons why you should do something, right? Because the reason that you don't have enough, you're not doing enough is because you're still doing it for someone else, right? You, you, once you take that leap of faith and go, okay, I'm going to do this. You know, we, <laughs> I spent more money on building my current business during the pandemic than um, then most people would advise you to, let's just put it down. <laughs> uh, but it's like, I, we just, my, my, I, the, the big part of it, one of the biggest things I learned from Caesar Milan, I had this moment alone with him and that nobody, that nobody got, it was just this, this moment where we were going to feed the llamas. I was coming down from hiking. There's a great picture of me throwing a stick for my dog rush, uh, up in the foothills in California. And I'm coming down, uh, the hill and Caesar Milan is walking walking up the hill with his pack of dogs and he was going to feed the llamas and because I lived in Colombia prior to that I spoke Spanish and so I I went up to him and I you know I just said like hey how's it going can I can I hang out with you can I come feed the llamas like can I help and you know he reluctantly said yes and and I um I said you know I I was like Evan don't blow it you know don't blow it. <laughs> figure out like you know find something to ask him so I was like uh so because we were just chit-chatting right it's just nothing nothing of significance and I said you know can you teach me something and he said what do you want to know and I said oh you know just whatever whatever and he he's Mexican very direct guy when you're you know when you're in person and he's like no no no, no. like I don't have time for just anything what do you want to know and I was like oh um why don't you tell me about a mistake you made in your personal life and your business life so that I don't have to make the same mistake. And he was floored. He was, Good <laughs> it, hit him like a ton of, it hit him like a ton of bricks and it just came to me. That's, you know, divine intervention right there. I don't know what it was. Uh, it's the only, the only smart question I've ever asked in my life other than to my wife, will you marry me? That's the only <laughs> other question I ever got right. But anyway, so he, one of the big things that he, so he had two pieces of advice and, and the personal one was don't surround yourself with yes, people, people that will just say yes to anything, but surround yourself with people who believe in you and will support your crazy ideas or your, you know, your, your, your moving forward. And the mistake he made was the number one person in his life was a no person. Ah, that'll never work. Ah, don't go for it. No, we don't have enough money. No, we don't have enough time. Are you crazy? No one's going to go for that. No one's... 
and and playing that cautionary safe side and uh it really slowed him down he believes and i and i see that and my wife is is someone that is a hundred percent believes in me and knows that we can do it like some of this stuff that that we're that we're working on right now and planning like <laughs> it's we're having a lot of fun with it it's going to be really good it's going to be completely different nothing you've ever seen in the dog realm before but it's how can we make serious topics like feeding your dog fresh food or uh getting your you know that training your dog is important or that your rescue dog is not a therapy pillow um, how can we do that heavy topics in a fun way, you know, because when, when you start listing off statistics and, uh, telling people that they're wrong and you're right, people just shut down. They don't want to hear that. Right. So that was the, that was the personal advice. The business advice was, um, the business piece of advice was always sign a good contract. Never just take someone by their word in business, always sign a contract, make sure you cover yourself because, he did not. And so, so yeah, the, the, the pandemic and the shift and the launch of Doggett Style was a product of faith. I, it, a big part of it coming from, from my wife, but whoever that is, get yourself a mentor, someone who uh, is teaching you and helping you grow in the right direction, not someone who's going to hold you back. If you feel in your organization or in your own life that um, it's the answer is always no and not yet. And I, Oh, don't worry about it. I'll do it. Like, and, and you really feel that desire to create and grow and help, uh, change the world and change the lives of people or dogs or kids, or, you know, if there's always a reason not to do something, but really that is the reason to do something. Your wife sounds like a very, very wise lady. How long have you been married? Oh God, I don't know. Uh, forever, forever. <laughs> uh, no, we're both terrible with dates. We always have to remind each other uh, when our own birthdays are, how long we've been together. <laughs> My parents, we literally wait. We don't even wait. It just comes every year. The text that says happy anniversary. And we both look at each other and go like, oh, good job. You know, and then, <laughs> how long has it been? I don't know, eight to 10 years or something like that. We'll kind of base it off the age of our oldest son, which we get wrong sometimes. So, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. Five plus years anyway. So yeah, no, she, she's an amazing person and, and she's really working on some cool stuff with um, kind of redefining life change, uh, life, um, life goals and also life coaching from a very intuitive place, you know, she'll often say, I'll be like, well, I don't know. And she'll go, no, no, no you know, you, you're just not prepared to, to answer the question. And I believe a lot of times we know uh, some of the things that we're doing wrong with our dogs. And we just, you know, it, it's not even right or wrong. It's just, is it working for you or is it not working for you? Like one of the things I hate is when people are like, you know, they'll be like, oh, my dog sleeps in bed with me. Oh, I know that's wrong. And I just look at them and I hold up my wedding band and I go, look, I'm happily married. I'm not joining you in bed. I don't care where your dog sleeps, <laughs> right? Like, but you're, you know, if you want your dog to sleep on your head, great. Cause I'm not going to be on your head. I'm not rolling over in the middle of the night to your dog's butt. Like I, I, don't, I don't care as long as it's working for you. But if you roll over in the middle of the night and your dog's going, okay, we got a problem here. We, there's a problem. Like, does it really matter if you eat before your dog eats? I don't know. Does it like, does it affect it to the point where you eat 
and your dogs there barking at you until you feed them. Well, how difficult would it be to feed your dog and then and then you eat, right? Like whatever that's going to work for you in your situation. There's a few things that I go, I think there should be a, a few things that I heavily suggest, like, you know, introducing fresh food into your dog's diet. Everyone gets on board with that once you tell them, you know, how amazing, how much longer better, because everyone wants to do good by their dogs. I don't think anybody gets a dog and goes like, well, I, you know, I really just don't want the thing to live very long or have a happy life. Like no, nobody's saying that those people aren't on those people certainly aren't listening to your podcast or not on the internet looking for me. You know, the, those people exist, but we're not, we're not changing their minds anyway. So I think it's um, yeah, it's, it's all about um, just having a better relationship and, and being more open to different methods. So who would you who inspires you oh that's a really i have a list actually i have a list right beside me that's Shoot. not i didn't i didn't know you were gonna ask that but so do you know who evan carmichael is he's a he's a canadian mm. youtuber and he he always yep. has um you know who he is mm -hmm. yeah, yeah yeah so you know uh top 10 quotes from Oprah. And this is what Tony Robbins says. And he's, he's that kind of guy. Yeah. Anyway. So he has all these pictures beside him of people that inspire him. And it's almost like his accountability partners of like, he walks in and like, well, I don't know if it's Gandhi, but like, what would Gandhi say if he was, if he was beside me? Um, so my list, I have quite a few, but um, so I'm a, I'm a, a big fan of music. I, I play it's a whole reflection of my life. Like I'm not amazing at anything, but I'm pretty good at a lot of things, right? Like I'm right. decent at a lot of things. I just really enjoy because I enjoy learning. Like I really enjoy learning. I'm you like having fun. Way. I like having fun. And I just, right. I just want to, you know, I just want to be able to go into any room and learn and grow and watch, but participate. You know, like, let's, let's get your hands dirty. So, um, Macklemore and Kaye Trece, they're two, two rappers that kind of are, uh, political, but also, uh, fun. Mm -hmm. Um, John Bonham, the, the drummer from Led Zeppelin and Animal, the drummer from the Muppets. Uh, so Casey Neistat is, uh, is a vlogger from, uh, from New York that, uh, is a YouTuber and Quentin Tarantino for film, uh, David Goggins and Wim Hof for physical stuff. So do you know who David Goggins is? He's this, just this crazy man that is a huge fan of doing really challenging things. Yep. I would say if anybody is looking for a good, it's an amazing audio experience because it's a, it's an audio books mixed with a podcast mixed with um, like an interview and, and bonus challenges as opposed to the books. David mm -hmm. Goggins uh, can't hurt me. Is the name of a is the name of the book X, and yeah, then Wim Hof. I've gotten into cold therapy so oh, much, and as a you talking as to a one. cold water. Oh yeah, are you yep. a Hoffer? Yep. <laughs> nice. How hey, listen. How long do you do cold showers for? What's your uh, average? Like, well, I shower multiple times a day. <laughs> okay. Well, you're in Singapore, so yeah. how hot is it in Singapore? Uh, we're we're like just one degree north of the equator. We're oh, in shit. the tropics. So it's humid. Yeah. It's hot. It's easy to sweat. Um, so so mid thirties, high thirties, yeah, all, all day, yeah. every day. Yeah, you know. Uh, so I shower basically cold showers mainly. Yep. 
So, you know, easily like five minutes, not, not a problem. Uh, the problem oh, is wow. because yeah. I live in the tropics. So my standard of the cold here will not be as cold as say in Nova Scotia in right. winter. Cause of, you yeah, know, the so I'm on a, I'm on a, I'm on a mountain spring. That's the, our water from our house is a mountain spring. So it's like two degrees, three degrees. Yeah. The cold. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I kind of, cool. I kind of. I kind of tap after about two minutes. It's not even that. It's it's just a time thing, really. Yeah. But yeah, I'm a huge fan of that, which is why it's something that I'm I'm working. It's on my list of videos for dogs. It's like everyone's putting jackets and boots and, you know, everything on these dogs. And it was interesting that Rodney and Dr. Karen Becker talked about like the plastics and the materials and things like that. Now, there are certain dogs in certain situations that, yes, we want to protect their feet. We want to protect... Um, it's mostly their feet it's mostly their feet but like my pit bull lab he's not even he's just as a single like pit bull type coat like there's been days where it's like minus 40 we're out there you know hiking he doesn't care he's fine we're not out there all day long he doesn't sleep outside or anything like that but he's he's tough as nails it's conditioning but there's also videos of me doing the same thing and i don't know i'm not i'm i'm one of those like uh chinese furless dogs i don't have I get about one or two hairs on my chest that I'm holding on to for dear life. Um, anyway, but I'm a huge fan of cold therapy. Uh, Jesus and Lao Tzu are on the list. Okay. Um, my wife and my kids often remind me of, uh, you know, just having fun and being just good people. Uh, Michael Jackson and Freddie Mercury are hundred percent on the list. Uh, Charity Water and Elevation Church. Charity Water is something that as part of my online course, I'm donating a percentage of the proceeds to Charity Water, just an unbelievable organization. That's a hundred percent. Did you ever like donate to an organization? You're like, oh, I wonder how much money actually made it to the yeah. people or the animals. This is a hundred percent, very, very transparent, very open um, thing. So Charity Water is, is amazing. Scott Harrison and his wife, Vic, Harrison are, are amazing people. And that's, that's my list. So those are all the pictures that I got to get printed and put on the list. Who, who inspires awesome. you? Who, who inspires you right now? Oh, I've got a long list too. I mean, like, yeah, I think similar to you, I like to learn a lot. So uh, one of the best things about, you know, this pandemic was actually that I had actually more time to, to take on courses, online courses, you oh, know, cool. So, you know, from what are you, Wim what are you Hoff, taking? What are you learning? Well, Hoffa, Wim Hof. Yeah, um, yeah. And then I'm doing some other like entrepreneurial stuff or personal growth stuff. You know, Mind Valley. Have you heard of Mind Valley? I have. I have. Yeah. How do you like it? I like it a lot. Uh, cool. I'm into, I'm into spiritual personal growth kind of stuff. I mean, some yeah. people might think it's a bit woo woo, but um I uh, hey believe, I'm, I'm super into the woo woo let's woo you know it so i i believe in energetics you know um uh, you know dr isla fishburn she's one of the people that i love yep. and respect a lot you know yeah. uh, so mind valley i'm actually i'm actually a, a student of mind valley and so they've got a ton of courses there so you can you know do stuff from like speed reading with jim quick to uh you know financial stuff or spiritual stuff oh interesting yeah they've got a whole bunch of all energetics energy healing you know yeah. conscious engineering which is something which i'm really into which you know i believe Who's, that who does the sorry go ahead um which one are you for for the ener- the ener- the energetics i was gonna say who does the energetics um jeff allen if i'm 
Okay, let okay. me see. Yeah, I think it's Jeff Allen. So they have a whole different bunch of authors, uh, you know, that are good at what they do. So you, they feel like this Lisa Nichols, Jim Quick, um, Sri Kumar Rao. I don't know if you heard mm -hmm. of him, but uh, uh -huh. he... Yeah, so he does a course there. Um, so and they've got they've got people which I've never heard of because you know I'm still learning. So I'm like really excited. Like I'm a kid in a candy store. So I'm like, oh my god, there's yeah. so many you know things to learn. And then um, I I started because like I was looking into improving my own personal health because I'm not a very healthy person. You know, okay. I walk my dog and stuff, but I'm not into you know athletic stuff. You know, I'm not yep. a gym person. Um, yep. So I found Ben Greenfield because I sort of listened to his podcast. And he did, he did a, um, like he's one of the authors of Mind Valley. So he has a program in Mind Valley on a longevity blueprint. That's what it's called. And basically, oh, he teaches cool. you his style of biohacking, you know, a minimal effective dose of exercise, you know, how, how to have an all round body. And it's not just about spending hours at the gym or, you know, like, yeah, I can't gym it up either. I, I, I you know, surfing is what fixed me it, it, it was my saving it's been my savior literally like i was going down not the best path um health wise and ment mental just you know smoking a lot of weed drinking doing things like that not like crazy amounts you know like i mm. i think a lot of people when they hear me talk about that they're like this guy must have been no i wasn't you know <laughs> i wasn't uh wake and bake or doing any of that stuff you can't you can't be a successful entrepreneur well maybe you can but i couldn't anyway but it was for me it's about finding it's been about finding exercise that is fun if you mm. can find something that is fun but physically challenging yeah it's, it's great. Surfing is like the most physically challenging thing uh, I've ever done, let alone cold water surfing. You know, you're out paddling beside an iceberg kind of thing. Um, but it's, um, so it's a double whammy. But I think if you just find for everybody, whatever that thing is, whether it's tennis or kickboxing or dancing with your dog, well, you know, maybe that's, I didn't see any of the high cardio stuff for dancing with your dog, but that, that <laughs> takes, that takes a lot of hours. But anyway, those women are amazing and men. Uh, but yeah, it, I think it's just about finding that fun thing. Right? You have to enjoy what you're doing. You see, that's what I believe. If you, if you, if you're not happy, you don't enjoy it. You're not going to learn and it's going to be a drag. And it's not yeah. going to help in your personal growth. I mean, like for me, I, I used to, well, I think I'm still a workaholic, but um, I was on a different career path before. And I used to, I was like in sales and I was like, I smoked a lot, not pot, but yep. regular smoking, yeah, but yeah. I was a heavy smoker yeah. and, yeah, you know, drank a lot as well. You know, I disrespected yeah. my body, you know, really, you know, I ate a lot of junk food. I still do eat junk food, but I mean, like I ate a lot of junk food as well yeah. in, in the old yeah. days. So basically my body just crapped out one day. It just said enough, mm. you know? Oh, wow. So I, I had, you know, gynecological problems. I, you know, I had brain fog, everything. Cause I basically poisoned myself. Yeah, that's know? right. Um, and it took me many, many years to, uh, for lack of a better, unfuck myself. You know, I'm still working yeah. on it, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I found a TCM doctor who helped me, you know, detox using Chinese herbs and um, cool. TCM method. And the amazing thing was um, doing that massive detox period, it, something clicked in my brain. Suddenly I could think, you know, um, mm. I used to be in art school. I was an art student as well. And 
you know, I lost my my creativity. I had, you know, writer's block or, you know, artist artist block or whatever you want to call it, you know, for for a long time. And then I hurt my back and everything. So my body just, you know, and yeah. doing TM <laughs> and, you know, then she started to tell me like what I can eat, what I shouldn't eat, you know, that food therapy approach. Mm-hmm. So doing all that, I think helped to clear up my microbiome. Yeah. Now that looking back, now I know, right, what, what that word yeah. is. But then, you know, more than 10 years ago, I had no idea. So I I started my journey on, you know, cleaning up myself and, you know, uh, trying to find a purpose, you know, because I, I was at a place where I wasn't inspired, didn't know what I wanted. You know, I was very cynical. Um, and then I found the animal rescue community by accident mm. one day. You know, I found a few cat feeders and I started talking to them because I thought, hey, what is cool? What are you doing? And I've always liked animals, you know. Um, so one thing led to another uh, with rescue work. And the, the, the best part was, why am I spending a lot of money bringing to the cats and the dogs to the vet? You know, and it was always feeding kibble in, in those days because, you know, you listen to, your, to the senior caregivers and they'll tell you like, okay, you feed this, do this. And you're like, okay, you know. And you know, you're spending thousands of dollars at the vet clinic and you're sort of thinking, this doesn't make sense because these are stray animals and I'm spending a lot of money on them and it shouldn't be. And I was looking at my own journey and I think, well, food therapy helped, you know. So I sort of slowly had a light bulb moment, you know, and in terms of uh, I think the foundation of all health, all sanctioned beings, all living creatures is really health and nutrition. You know, mm. at the end of the day, is what you eat, you know, whether you're a dog, a cat, a bird, a hamster, what you eat. Uh, and how much of it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, it affects your growth, not just physically, yep. but mentally as well and spiritually. Yeah. So yeah. for me, you know, it's been, it's been an interesting, I think more than 10, 20 years of, oh no, actually my whole life trying to find myself, let's put it this way, you know, uh, I'm 46 this year, you know, so. Wow, you're looking good for all those years (laughs) of smoking and drinking and, you know, eating like shit, you're you're, you're looking good, (laughs) my God. Yeah, thank you, thank you. And I, you know, uh, maybe it's my Chinese genes, I don't know, but. Yeah, could be, could be. It actually goes back, it actually is, I wasn't like this, by the way, I used to be like really overweight and I used to have pimply face and everything, like, um, I have eczema. Yeah, I still have eczema. I still battle with that, but that's stress related and blah blah blah, right? But okay. Um, I realized, you know, you gotta, you gotta love your body to mm. grow, you know. And it's yeah. not just about the entrepreneurial mind. You know, you have to work on your physical health because your yeah. body, your mind, your soul—they're actually one. They work together. That's right. If you that's neglect right. one, you know, it's like it's like a like a like the holy trinity, you know me, myself, and I. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. if you neglect one one part of the whole you holistically, yeah. uh, it will affect your growth, you know? So the last few years, especially I think last 10 years of trying to clean up my act, trying to be healthier, you know? Um, this year has been my favorite year by far. 2020 um, has given me the opportunity to have more time online to do things that I wouldn't not really do on a normal, you know, like normally, you know, cause we're so busy. yeah. So I've been like looking at courses, reading audiobooks, you know, listening to audiobooks and, you know, reading physical books. So it's like, you know, audio physio, YouTube videos, whatever, you know, um, 
I love learning. I, very similar to you, you know, I just like to find out things. And it's not all about um, animal nutrition and health. It's about other things like you were talking about, you know, like sciencey stuff. Yeah. You know. Totally. Because we are everything, you know, to me, the whole world, whole universe, we are part of it. End of the day, you know, it's, 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 yeah. So I think learning is something, it's a lifelong journey. And if you don't enjoy it, uh, you really have to think very hard, like, you know, um, what's your priorities in life? You know, why, why are you living? What are you living for? You know? Um, and I think that's that part that's really challenging that like everyone wants to have fun all the time. Mm. And it sounds like I'm the fun guy and I am the fun guy. I love to have fun, but there's, there's that yin and yang. Like I, like two days ago, if we had done this interview, it would have been very different. Yeah. Very, very why? different. There's, why? there's because of the moon. And it, it, it's something that for, for a lot of years, I, well, I was blinded to it because I was in a, in a, in a, in a fog, a lot of times between drinking and drugs and, and things like that. Um, and my own self-interest. Uh, but now, you know, I haven't smoked tobacco or drugs or had a drink in, in a couple of years. And I, you know, the other day it was a very, very low somber day for me. And it, it the answer is the moon. The answer is the moon. If I'm like 82% water or something like that, and that that sucker can move an ocean full of water, it can move me too. Yeah. And it does. And yeah. that's, and the thing is, is it's okay. You can't be high all the time. It's not natural. It's not normal. So respect your body, respect your mind. It doesn't mean, doesn't give you permission to binge watch Netflix for a, <laughs> for a weekend. Um, and, and, and you can still do physical things through that. Like I still did workouts through it. Um, I didn't enjoy them. I never enjoy them. I'll be brutally honest. I don't enjoy working out, but I enjoy how I feel afterwards. Right. Mm. And you get, it is a drug. Yeah. It is a drug. And, and I also know how I feel when I get into the water to surf and I'm weak, or I go to play with my kids and I'm weak, or I, um, go to, you know, chase after the dogs or fool around with the dogs. And I can only last 10 seconds or dance to a song for a lot of years. I love to dance. And I think music is, is one of the deepest therapies that we've all been, you know, blessed with culturally. It's just, in, it's ingrained in all of our DNA. And it, it's something that like, if you can't dance to a five minute song, there's a problem there. Mm. <laughs> you know? If you're supposed to be, you know, like, you know, young and, uh, or young enough, whatever young is. And um, yeah, it, it's about this balance. But for a lot of years, I, I, especially as an entrepreneur, was like, I'm not having fun with this. Sometimes it doesn't matter. Like, I think chasing your passion, there's a lot of, there's a lot of confusing or con conflicting or, or stuff that just, sometimes it works for people, sometimes it doesn't. But like, I'm still finding my passion. My passion changes every other day, but I can't change what I'm doing every other day. Otherwise I'll be broke on the streets, right? Sometimes you got to do the stuff you don't want to do in business like every day. Like I don't enjoy shoveling dog poop. I've never been passionate <laughs> about shoveling dog poop or doing a lot of things. It's the same thing as like, I'm not that passionate about raw feeding, but I, but I do it and I learn about it because it's important because it's going to serve me and my animals in a lot of ways. It's the same thing as like, you know, so I don't learn everything about it. I don't try to, because if you obsess over something or try to, Oh, just a sec. Someone's, how can I get rid of that? Can you still hear me? Yep. Okay. Sorry about that. Yeah. Is, is like, 
sometimes when you get into these things or like a new business, it can feel so overwhelming. Like raw feeding is so overwhelming to me still, mm. you know, like there's so much to know and it always feels like I'm doing something wrong or I didn't do something right. Like um, that it can, I, I find it can shut you down a bit and, uh, oh, but only if you let it, only if you let it. So it's like, just do a little bit at a time, realize that sometimes things suck and it's not always going to be fun, but it's, if it's serving you, it, it'll, it'll move you forward. So it's not always going to be fun. You're not always going to be passionate about everything, but just try, just start doing something. If you're out there listening to this about like, I, I know I don't like doing what I'm doing. Don't wait to find something that you're passionate about 24 hours a day, because it's not going to happen, right? It's like any relationship, there's hot and cold moments. Uh, it's like yin and yang. You're always going to have that black and white, that, that hot and cold, that good and bad. And it's just about, you know, enjoying the, enjoying the process as much as possible and realizing that like, it's going to pass, you know, like this pandemic won't last forever. There'll be another one. Uh, and there'll be a phase where there isn't one. And it's, it's these moments where we're in this stress that, that defines you, like for you to go, I'm going to make this a good time. There's two categories of people during this pandemic, those that gave up and those that doubled down. And I very easily could have been one of those people that gave up, but I've surrounded myself, thank God, with people that support and believe me and, and, and have those support groups. But the thing is, is they're online too. They're online and they're inside. Uh, I think if anyone's really struggling out there, get into David Goggins and Wim Hof as a start, because these are people that have gone through some very hard times. And if they can do it and not only do it, but step into it, um, I think it's great. I think it's fantastic. And that's what the, one of the biggest things I love about those guys is like taking a cold shower sucks. Okay. <laughs> and like, it maybe if you step out of the shower and it's 37 degrees, but when you step out of the shower and it's minus 30 outside, yeah, I know it, sucks <laughs> even more. But, but it doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter what temperature it was. That was me gloating there. Uh, it doesn't matter what, what temperature it is. A cold shower is hard. It's a hard thing to do, but you're going to be fine. It's just a bit of water. It's just a bit of water, but your brain will go, no, 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 panic, 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 run, 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 turn up the heat, turn up the heat. And it's about, it's about fighting that. And it's something very cool that David Goggins says is like, if I can control my mind during exercise, something that I can in, induce stress in my life every day, if I can control my mind in that, then when something that I can't control, my car breaks down, my wife leaves me, I lost my job you're mentally prepared for that panic state that much more. So it's, for me, it's a, it's the same thing with the dogs. When, when I hear people say we should never put any stress on a dog and their life should always be this peaceful Zen state. That's not real. That's a bubble. That's uh, and then, if, and, and then if you drop dead, that dog is going to go into a situation that's going to be very different and be messed up. Mm -hmm. So it's important um, I think to, to intentionally set your dog up for failure with the intent of a strategized plan to teach them how to get out of that failure situation, right? How to grow. Like when you start playing a piano, you suck. I don't care who you are. My neighbor in Ottawa was this, um, this young Chinese boy that was like a musical prodigy. And, but, but I can tell you for a fact, when he was three years old, he still sucked, right? Not when he was eight, 
that when he was eight, my God, it was, you know, like having an orchestra, you know, having a personal, uh, you know, penis concert beside you 20 hours a day. It was crazy, but um, he sucked when it started and you will suck at things when you start too, and you will not know what you're doing with dogs or cats or business. Um, but it's about, you know, trying it for, for a while and, and working through it and, and um, having that mental fortitude, working on your mental fortitude, like you had, like you had talked about. So what are you most proud of, of your journey to date? Oh, didn't see that one coming. Um, I am most proud of, my God, that is a good question. Working through challenging things and, and seeing a dream come true and then closing and then, and then close and then working, I'm working, currently working on closing that chapter. So for the longest time, I wanted to be the best dog trainer in the world. And that pivoted to, um, I want to have this amazing facility. So I have this like, beautiful facility that like overlooks the ocean with like 53 acres and I had dogs running around all the time and four wheeling and skidooing and all that. And, and it came true and it's not what I want to do anymore. Now I'm pivoting right now. It's more about creating fun, exciting videos for people to learn and grow uh, from. So it's one of my life coaches said, I think everyone should invest in a life coach. I think it's an amazing thing. I think something like Mind Valley uh, is wonderful. But then when you have that human connection to be able to talk to one of those people um, is very, very powerful, very, very powerful thing. And he said, uh, never be afraid to redefine yourself, reinvent yourself, never be afraid to reinvent yourself. And that's what I'm doing. So I guess the thing that I'm most proud of um, the thing I'm most proud of is that is is that ability to to pivot, that 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 never-ending desire to to chase those things, and also um, I would say surfing. Like it it took a lot when you smoke and drink, and you know smoke weed and do all that stuff. <laughs> surfing is not something you should just go and do. So it was it was getting over those those addictions, but all of that has again it's all come back to. When I did construction and serving and selling snowboards, it's all allowed me to step into this role that I am now to be more of a mentor and an influencer uh, for people out there that that might be struggling with with challenging things in life. And, and having a, a pet in your life can be a very challenging thing, but it doesn't need to be. It's just one little step at a time, one day at a time, and just slightly making each day a little bit better. Well... Evan, can I just say I really enjoyed this uh, interview with you? Uh, I really enjoyed you too. It's 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 uh it's not all the time that I find uh, I speak to an entrepreneur who who gets um the so-called all-round holistic approach. You know, uh, right, right, right. There there are quite a few entrepreneurs that when you when I talk to them, you know, they're either very focused on, you know, just business development or whatever, but, you know, talking to you, you know, I can see that you, you're looking at, at your business and your life as a whole, you know, and um, that is something that, you know, I, I, I hear you, you know, I resonate with you because I can, you know, that's, that's basically my journey as well. And I think for most people who are trying to be an entrepreneur or just trying to be a human being, to be honest, um, you know, 
your journey in life is is not just one aspect like your career or you know it's it's everything you know it's your mental physical spiritual growth that makes you 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 know so talking to you today uh has been i truly truly enjoyed listening to you um you know you're you know you say you're a fun guy and and all that you like to make fun but you're actually a very deep guy you know um and don't tell anyone. Don't <laughs> don't, don't ruin it. Don't tell anyone. I'm supposed to be this superficial hippie. I know <laughs> you're your pothead. That's what you're supposed to be. You know, yeah. but I think, yeah. you know, I would love to meet your wife one day because she sounds like an awesome lady to to have I'm you back. I'm really excited for her to to mm-hmm. launch into the world, which she's gonna I know she's gonna help a lot of people. And so you you can, you know, you guys will be able to stay tuned just through my social media stuff of of Mo Doggett, her launching uh, her stuff every day, it gets a little bit closer. And um, that's the thing, she's pivoted a lot of times too. She was uh, a massage therapist. She has her doctorate of law. She has her JT. Um, she's she's a, you know, a full-time mom. What else? Man, she's got a ton of careers uh, under her belt, but she's just with that pivot, right? Is like, you don't have to keep doing the same thing. Don't let yeah. anybody define you if you don't want it to be fine as something. It's something I've struggled with a lot is uh, calling myself a dog trainer because I don't really feel like a dog trainer a lot of the times. It's like, you know, because people want to associate that with same thing as like banker. You're a banker. Well, what does that mean? Well, maybe you're, you know, banking for profit. Maybe you're banking for charities. Maybe you're, but Anyway, it's it's more how you feel about yourself. But thank you very much for for having me on. Thank you for for seeing me for for who who I am and what I'm trying to share to the world. And uh, anybody that wants to check me out, just go to doggetstyle.com, doggett.style on Instagram. I've got a podcast. If you just type in doggets, there's no two doggett styles. Thank <laughs> God. So you'll you'll find me. Look for the mustache. I'm there. Awesome. Awesome. Uh well. You know, Evan, it's been good. I'm I'm sorry that the internet was so poor that I couldn't see you face to face because usually I do like to see my guests, you know, uh, see what they look like. You got the vibe. You got the vibe. I got the, the vibe. The loving energies the there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, you know, um, I wish you all the best. I look forward to, to seeing more of um, Doggett Style and your course. Uh, you know, I've, I've actually been checking it out. So I... You know, it's it's something that you know. It's like, ah, hey, this is fun. This is fun. You're making it fun. You're making it. And if you if you're working or someone out there that's listening in the rescue world and working with a lot of rescues to use this program, not only as a training aid, it's like 120 videos between health, wellness, raising a puppy, raising a rescue dog, all, all of those things, training on wanted behaviors. So rescues are using it as like a, a training aid for their, uh, for their staff and their fosters and their new foster homes, but also as a fundraising platform. So people that become affiliates, uh, whether you're a rescue or not, um, you can become an affiliate and, and help get the word out there and get 50% of the proceeds. And then part of uh, the proceeds from my end also goes to charity water. So awesome. helping people just have, uh, you know, a better understanding and uh, have those rescue animals keep their forever homes. Thank you for listening to Evan's story. Look out for Dr. Chris Besson's interview next week. Wow. I'm so thankful and grateful that you took the time to listen to this podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could subscribe, download, rate, review, and share this with others whom you care about that may enjoy it as well. 
Thank you, and remember to be kind to yourself and others. Have a awesome day, everyone.